0: The Money Show. The Markers.
1: An important story on MoneyWeb today. The World's first black female chair in its 118 year history survived in the job for just a year. Uh, the company last week announced that Neo Dongwana uh, was retiring um, and she'd be going in May, and it's because the firm's AGM refused to back her 1.6 million rand paycheck, and it's the first time ever that remuneration for a non-executive director on the JSE has failed to secure the necessary backing from shareholders. Um, Meryl Peck is a portfolio manager at the Old Mutual Investment Group on the line to us from Cape Town. I mean, I wonder if this is the beginning of a trend, Meryl, where finally shareholders are are, are getting fed up in some cases with some of the rates they're expected to pay for directors of companies. Good
0: evening, Bruce, and good evening to your listeners. Um, I think we've seen a a trend a growing trend over the last um, decade and perhaps it's accelerated in, in, in more recent times of scrutiny both um, of executive remuneration but also um, board fees and you know rightly so um, and I think perhaps in, in the age of COVID and the pandemic um, the spotlight has gone even more onto, let's say, income inequality and wealth inequality around um, the world. And even in developed markets, we're seeing um, um, a lot more sort of vocal protests and we're seeing even this round of stimulus in this crisis directly dealing with um, households who are struggling. So I think any sort of um, appearance of something that is extreme on a remuneration basis is a lightning rod for
1: um, for for shareholder attention. Yeah, it's an interesting pushback from shareholders. What did you make of today's Bidvest results? So uh, the the lockdowns, the um, uncertainty wasn't awful, wasn't terrible for them, wasn't brilliant. Yeah. But it, they didn't fall apart.
0: Yeah, Bidvest. You know, you continue to see the benefits of the diversification in their portfolio um, of assets. They don't have their eggs in any one particular basket. Um, if you strip out the acquisitions which were made, the offshore acquisitions of NUNAN and um, PHS, here's a pun for you. The clean numbers without the hygiene business <laughs> um, were actually down 5%. Um, but even that, even in a year like this, to be down 5% is really quite phenomenal. Um and it shows how reflex, um, you know, sort of reflexive they were, reactive they were, um, and agile. Um, the decentralized model once again playing in their favour, where they were able to respond and cut costs where demand has fallen. I mean, I would have thought in a year like this, where office parks are empty, where malls are empty, and um, a lot of those services businesses sort of need that kind of activity, that the results would have been worse, but they have clearly been very quick to adapt. Um, they most certainly
1: have, and the results were were impressive, as were Sea Harvest. We've just been chatting to Felix Rathab a moment ago.
0: Yes, absolutely. So, again, seeing um, the defensive sort of food produces food retail sector performing very well during the pandemic. Um, you know, As was said before, the, the trend of eating in, of um, maybe an uptick in frozen foods because eating out is not an option because consumers do not want to visit the shops as often. So many trends playing um, in their favour. Um, I would have thought that the fuel costs had a big impact, but as you said, they were hedged for that. So I think... Um, Looking ahead, they've navigated the year brilliantly, it sounds like, with the, uh, despite several logistical challenges. So I think looking ahead, we'd have to see how strong um, demand will remain if people do start um, um, going back to some of their previous consumption patterns. So they're going to have to, once again, be agile and pivot back to the eating out, pivot back to the customers who are in more of the hospitality sector. But I, I don't see why they wouldn't be able to do that. And it's, there's there's further um, uh, recovery potential in that aquaculture um, business. Even though we've seen oil um, fuel prices now rise significantly since last year, um, it, It's it's the impact of that increase in fuel price will be dampened because they were hedged mm-hmm. anyway in the first place. Uh,
1: and then finally, just a quick look at high prop. I mean, you are uh, an expert in the retail industry, Hyprop, the owner of uh, lots of shopping centres and other property assets. Um they seem to be taking some very aggressive steps um to get themselves uh, into into fighting shape. yeah,
0: it's all about austerity and, um, cash containment, balance sheet uh, restoration at this point for the property sector as a whole. I mean, high prop being one of the better um, positioned ones. But um, I I think, I mean, I don't know, this is a slightly um, related co- question but or, or comment, but if I look to the Woolworths' results from last week, they've got some very big um, face cuts. Coming, you know, next year cutting seven and a half percent in the clothing business, and further cut the following year and the following year. So there is, there just seems to be no end to the space rationalisation in the retail space, and um, not to mention um, the the office space. So I think there's there's so um, ongoing. Disruption to the, the final picture for retail demand, um, retail real estate demand. Um, and I don't think we've seen the, the, that market just moves very slowly, you know, because they only renegotiate about 20% of leases every year. So there could still be several years of that to come. They are trying to rationalize the portfolio, but the question is who is going to buy? It's not a great market to be offloading assets, you know, and, and, and trying to realize value.
1: Meryl Pick, thank you, Portfolio Manager at the Old Mutual Investment Group.